Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, it's a particular joy to welcome Pete here, and uh, it's very kind of you to come and give up your time. You're a busy man uh, all over the place, but we really appreciate you uh, being with us. Um, just to give you the context, I first met Pete, I think actually we met in London sometime. Yeah, the Rembrandt Hotel uh, lobby. Yes, I, you've got a better memory than I have of the name of the place. You were I singing remember. songs and completely drunk under a table. No, he wasn't. It, yeah, it, no, it, was, it was a formal meeting yeah. we had arranged. Again, yeah. Uh, but the reason for that was uh, I read um, this book, uh, God on Mute, uh, and I was so touched by it, I thought it was masterful and uh, I thought oh, I really need to just meet the guy who's written this because finding authors who can write so incisively about prayer is, is a rare commodity and uh, so we met and um, since then we've kind of been in touch and you've been a great help to us and God's obviously on you particularly to do with prayer so uh, just a few questions that we want to try and draw the draw some things out of you that can help us as a, a family of churches, not just here, the, the churches represented here, but right across our family of churches in the different places where we are. So first question, I guess, is what do you sense the, the, the mood for prayer is in the nation at the moment? What's your thoughts about that? I mean, I've been uh, contending together for 17 years to try and revive the church, really, and the only way you can do that is through prayer, catalyzing, connecting, resourcing prayer. And um, I would say in the last month, we have seen more prayer in the United Kingdom than at any time in my lifetime. And uh, that includes things like March for Jesus and all the rest of it. And so if you want to know what seeing the church of Jesus waking up looks like, you're in the middle of it right now. Um, that's no exaggeration. I travel around. I've number crunched and whatever. There's just a sort of electric desire uh, and desperation, I think, for God. People who uh, used to think that politics could solve the problem, mm. uh, used to think that economics, you know, equity in their houses and whatever, and suddenly you find out that your money's not worth what it was, especially if you're going on holiday abroad this year. Um, and so I think people are beginning to ask profound uh, questions to which ultimately uh, there are spiritual rather than socio-economic answers. So, I mean, just over the last um, couple of weeks, Mike, I, I've just traced my... I see, the thing is, I see the hunger everywhere I touch down locally. I know if I came to any one of your churches, I would see this. And I see it nationally as well. So, locally, you know... Uh, well, this time last week, my, my, my wife just had her alpha group together and... Um, you know, she's matter-of-factly telling me, oh, it's wonderful, the spirit moved, people who didn't, you know, an atheist experienced the power of God so strongly, she's having an identity crisis, she's saying, you don't know my entire identity, everyone knows I'm an atheist, but I've just experienced something, I'm going to have to reformulate everything. She said, don't, don't, don't bug me with religion or any of that stuff, just like, this has profound implications, I'm opening to the possibility God might be real. <laughs> um, you know, through the people giving their lives to Christ, and people getting healed and all that kind of stuff and god help us the day we hear those kind of stories and go yeah that's nice <laughs> I mean, that's the kingdom of god breaking in uh this time two weeks ago 
Uh, we had 35,000 people together. Uh, we had hundreds gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Uh, we had, um, uh, over that one weekend, we had uh, 36 cathedrals around the UK all packed with people uh, praying. Couldn't fit them all inside the cathedrals, but also non-cathedral events as well. That spread into 85 different countries. Um, Radio 4 put a microphone in front of me, said, can you say a few words? I later found out that was the Sunday broadcast to one and a half million people in the nation. I mean, it just goes on and on. There's something extraordinary stirring in our nation. And, um, you know, let, let, me, let me say this. The greatest miracle is not when God answers prayer. God finds that easy. The greatest miracle is when people get so hungry for him, they start to pray. Yes. We find that hard. And what I see is people bending the knee in the nation again. That's a tremendous answer. Thank you so much for that. And I, you've recently written uh, this other book here, Dirty Glory, which I haven't actually read yet, but I've spoken to numbers of people have had, and there's quite a lot of fascinating stories in it. It's the kind of the next um, development in your personal sort of journey. So um, any favorite stories from this that you think you'd just like to tell folk to whet their appetites to read it more yeah well i mean you've you've hit the nail on the head dirty god on mute is a book about unanswered prayer and uh, when i when i wrote that i had to write it because i found myself as the leader of a international prayer movement and my own wife was so sick and my prayers for her weren't answering and i aren't getting answered and i just felt i've got to if i'm going to speak with honesty and integrity about the miracles god does do i've got to also speak with honesty and integrity the way the bible does by the way <laughs> about the miracles god doesn't do yet so that was god on mute and i remember i had one vicar's wife say to me uh you can't you know, you can't write a book about unanswered prayer. You're going to be the guy who goes around telling everyone it works. You know, <laughs> you'll shipwreck people's faith. And what's been wonderful is seeing that actually the number of people who've written to me and said I, I've rediscovered faith. Uh, I was about to quit on Jesus. Now I understand that you don't have to kiss your brains goodbye to believe this stuff. We, we can live with some paradox. But then. Um, uh, sort of, I'm, I'm basing the business of upsetting people. So now there are some people who want me to spend the rest of my life being Philip Yancey and writing books about being disappointed with God. And, and I'm not. <laughs> I love God. And I, I, I'm the leader of prayer movement because I believe this thing works. <laughs> I feel like I've done due diligence. So Dirty Glory is rammed with stories of noodle frying, uh, brain melting miracles that are not urban myths. These are things that I and my friends have seen as we've given ourselves to prayer over the last 17 years. Let me give you two quick stories, but there's loads in there. And the aim of this book is to set your hair on fire. I, I, I just, you know, we don't need a bunch of Christians wandering around being vaguely depressed about their faith. We need people who are on fire because we know Jesus is alive, you know. <laughs> so you know, faith comes through hearing. As Bill Johnson says, if you, you know, if you only got one answered prayer story, keep telling it till you've got two. You know, don't say, well, we, we shared that testimony last year. We'll have to wait, you know, because the Bible doesn't work like that. Imagine if the miracle stories disappeared after you read them once. You know, you can keep coming back getting fresh revelation. Anyway, so two stories. One is um, one of my favorites. I, do you know, it's only with people like you I can tell some of these because in some context, I spoke at a school last week and they, they said, what's the best answer to prayer you've ever seen? I thought, I can't share this one because it'll... it'll, it'll they won't believe it. It's too incredible. I've met pastors who don't believe this story, but this really happened to my friend Susanna. 
Uh, she had just moved into a particular apartment, apartment in Thun, Switzerland, because uh, it was in the centre, one of the really needy areas. God had spoken to her. She needed to move there, but she couldn't really afford it. She's a prayer leader, leads 24-7 in, in Switzerland, crying out to God to provide, but she couldn't even afford to pay her rent, uh, you know, her taxes, all that stuff. In the middle of all this, I didn't know that, and I went to her and said, Susanna, can you go and represent us at a thing in, in South Africa? We, have, we can't pay your flight. Uh, and uh, being being godly she said okay I'll pray about it God immediately provided the money she needed for the the flight have you ever noticed that weird thing with God you're like well I need my rent and then you've provided over here what's that about so she goes to South Africa keeps crying out to God would you provide her friend is staying in the in her apartment while she's gone and uh when she gets back, the friend is freaked out. She says, Susanna, why have you been lying to us? Susanna, what do you mean? She said, I, I looked in your cleaning cupboard. Susanna said, what do you mean? And in the cleaning cupboard, uh, there were just piles and piles and piles of Swiss franc banknotes. <laughs> and um, Susanna couldn't work out what had happened because she knew her friend wasn't lying, didn't have that money. Susanna knew that she hadn't put that money there. She knew that it hadn't been in there before. There was nowhere in the cleaning cupboard it could have been. She thought it was unlikely that any of her friends would break into her apartment to scatter money and leave because there are more creative ways of giving like half a year's wages. And uh, so she went to the bank, said it's stolen. They said no, so she, she, she thanked God. And then people started to come around to see her cleaning cupboard. Like... <laughs> If she was a Catholic, she'd put a couple of candles in. She'd have had a full-on shrine on her hands. And, and she'd go, yeah, there it is. There's my hoover. There's my, my broom, you know. And, the, and then so a friend came around, I think it was about a week later, and had looked in the cupboard, nothing there. They had a cup of tea in the kitchen right next to the door to the cleaning cupboard. They heard a noise. They opened it. A bunch more money had materialized whilst having a cup of tea. Over a period of a month, they had money materialized on four separate occasions in that cleaning cupboard to the total of 28,000 Swiss francs. And, um, and, and the, here's the really fun bit, was, um, was she said to, she, she, she had pastors phone her and say, I don't believe it's true. She said, you believe Jesus walked on water, turned water into wine, once used a fish as an ATM, remember that story? <laughs> Jesus rose from the dead, but you don't believe that he can make paper just because you worship it. Right? It messes your value system. If God can, you know, do quantitative easing in that kind of way. So, uh, so, 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 so she was thrilled that she was messing up people's theology, provoking faith. And I have to confess, I often check my cleaning cupboard after that story. It's never worked for me. And I said to God, why not? And he said, because I'm not really into magic. I prefer to work through relationships. But there's one of the stories uh, in there. That's not urban myth. I sat with Susanna, tried to solve it any human way you can't. Just God had did it. Another, much more quickly, was there's a great story in there. My friend John um, was one of the leaders in the Jesus movement in California. And uh, a guy called Terry in long Afghan robes up in uh, Oregon came up to him and said, I've met Jesus, man. I need to know what to do now. Uh, he said, the thing is, I've got a garden. And uh, John said, that's great, Jesus loves gardens. He said, you don't understand, it's hash. Uh, and they went up into the forest at night. It was like a vast, like in a clearing in the, in the giant rivers, a vast cannabis uh, farm. And they, they uh, burnt it. And John made sure they all stood upwind. And Terry knelt down and honestly prayed, let this be a aroma that is pleasing. 
pleasing to you, Lord, as God smoked the biggest joint he has ever <laughs> smoked in his life. That's why it's called Dirty Glory. It's tremendous. Yeah, what about that? Yeah. That's great. Now, as you know that we, as a family of churches, are really trying to prioritize and rediscover corporate prayer uh, through the Enough initiative that we're doing, which you really helped ignite, really, uh, which you probably don't know, but you did, back when we met in the Rembrandt, what was it, Rembrandt Hotel, something like that, anyway. Um, why, just to help uh, our family of churches, it would be really helpful for you to kind of use this moment just to say, why do you think corporate prayer is so important? Why would you encourage everyone in relational mission? And, and other streams and networks are now beginning to join in with us. Why would you encourage corporate prayer to be right at the top of the agenda? You know, Jesus, Jesus says in Matthew 18, when two of you agree on earth about anything you ask for, it'll be done. There is power in Christians coming into, I, I, I call it the kind of two dimensions of prayer. You've got the horizontal, which is agreement between the saints, and the vertical, which is alignment with God's will. When you hit that sweet spot, the intersection between alignment with God's will, what are you doing? How do I use my life as an amen to your prayers? You know, prayer isn't trying to get God to say amen to your desires. It's you saying amen to his. That's 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 the thing when Jesus promises to answer your prayers he says it's in my name so you've got to work out that here's the trick work out what Jesus wants to do anyway use your free will to ask for it and you're going to see miracles all the time uh, but it's not just that some people just want to kind of get alone and talk to squirrels and drink old grey tea and pray things in but it's the horizontal intersection as well alignment between the saints and, um, and so we see in Acts 4, you know, uh, uh, Peter and, and John have been told by the... By the way, Peter and John at this point don't know they're in the Bible, okay? Like, if they did, it'd be cheating, wouldn't it? It was like, I'm in the Bible, it's kind of, I'm a big deal around here. They're just, they're just these dudes caught up in this thing, right? And they've been told by the most powerful people in the land, stop preaching the gospel. They go back, they tell the saints who are gathered in a room, and it says that, that the church just lifted their voice together all at once in prayer. And there is such power in that kind of corporate intercession. Some people say to me, we're English, we don't do that. Listen, here's all I know. Jesus often prayed in a loud voice. If you don't sometimes pray in a loud voice, you're missing out on something Jesus considered essential, bad idea. Every single part of the world that is seeing revival prays in this way. So maybe we just got to get over this and realize it's not cultural, it's just biblical. And, um, and, and so there's something about gathered prayer. And I know one of the things that Mike and the team have championed with Enough is um, this wonderful call to come together, make agreements in the name of Jesus. And uh, together, uh, we, we often create this landing pad for God's purposes in a particular place or in a particular circumstance. So I could say a lot more on that. You'll find more in Dirty Glory, but th- there are a few thoughts about the importance, not just of personal spirituality, but of corporate intercession. There's a little trend I notice in the church, which is people are getting hold of a half-truth. The half-truth is this, that in prayer, we become the answer to prayer right? It's absolutely true. We are changed in the presence of God. Uh, But there's more because as Hot Chocolate, the 80s soul band said, I believe in miracles. And then they continue less helpfully since you came along, you sexy thing. Uh, But but 
you cannot read your Bible and just have this nice notion that prayer is meditation. It is also a creating a landing pad for God's kingdom to forcefully intervene on earth in a way that changes stuff. And that's what we call miracles. Tremendous. And then just um, lastly, just two questions in one, really. Thy kingdom come, you've just alluded to the fact last weekend or uh, Pentecost weekend, thousands of people. Um, how did thy kingdom come come about and what would you like to see the future of prayer being building on that what what would be the the way ahead that you if you could have your sort of dream realized what would it be yeah the the thy kingdom come initiative has been just absolutely extraordinary and um you know it's partly because at the grassroots god is mobilizing people to to pray and there's this desire that i spoke about earlier uh, across every tradition uh, and a wonderful new circuit board of Christian unity where instead of looking at each other and saying what's wrong with them, we look at each other and say what's right yes. with them. I mean, who wants to do Christmas dinner with your granny every single week? Just raise your hand. No, okay. There's a couple of great grannies, I know, I know, I know. Inevitable. But, but the truth is, you know, it's sometimes good to all come together, but we celebrate the differences, right? You know, if, if, if your kids are seven and eight and still living at home, that's a good thing. If they're like 40 or f- and 50 and still living at home, it's not necessarily so healthy. Healthy family diversifies and lives at different addresses. So we love the diversity of the church, but there's a unity. Add to that the fact that God is raising up extraordinary people like Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, who is, uh, you know, spirit-filled, Jesus-loving, wise uh, man, who, by the way, in our constitutional system is number two, only to the Queen. Prime Minister comes under the, the Archbishop of Canterbury, as you probably know. I mean, we can all have a discussion about what we believe about the state church, but that is actually the governmental reality in our nation right now, so it means something. And uh, it's extraordinary to have someone like him bringing leadership in this way. One interesting thing on that, and I'm going to talk, I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit more about Thy Kingdom Come in, in, in my message in a minute, and if you're watching the video, you'll be able to download this talk from somewhere and hear that. But um, the, the, the um, you know, extraordinary thing is Songs of Praise, which has millions of listeners, uh, watchers, whatever you call them, viewers, um, is allowed three live broadcasts a year. And they decided that two weeks ago, uh, in fact, 13 days ago on, on, on Pentecost Sunday, they would do a live broadcast uh, with uh, Justin Welby and Tim Hughes and Matt Redman from Folkestone. And be- when you do a live broadcast, you have to, like, rehearse it within an inch of its life, right? Because you can't have anything go wrong. Um, and um, they were planning to launch, you know, Pentecost Sunday, big deal, with Tim Hughes's song, Oh Happy Day. But a few hours earlier, that um, broken group of people killed all those people on London Bridge. You imagine the disaster if a pre-recorded program had launched. And once again, the people of God, Pentecost Sunday, happy day. And in reality, the nation is grieving because it's live. They were able to rewrite the whole program. And within hours of the attack on London Bridge... Justin Welby was able to speak to the nation and, by the way, had double their normal viewer ratings on that, that, that program and speak spiritually to the nation in the wake of the tragedy that had just happened in London Bridge. When we start to see the church rising up and being able to speak to the soul of the nation with the kind of tragedies we're seeing, then you can see that the, that the Spirit of God is on the move. So long answer to the question, but um, 
it, you know, it is an encouraging time. It's a, it's, a, it's a difficult time, but an encouraging time to be a follower of Jesus. Tremendous. Let's thank Pete very much. Thank you. That's great.